Welcome to Jim's podcast. What are you going to do with her? Uh, I don't know yet. Probably have to knock it down. It's worth more as an empty lot. Damn shame. <laughs> I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this time we're covering Season 2, Episode 9, titled Chapter 22 of House of Cards. I really like this episode a lot. Um, it, like you said beforehand, it is very straightforward, easy to follow. There's not a lot of plot, uh, a, a lot of separate plots going on here. Just kind of two main ones, um, and it it really has strong characterization throughout. And I'll I'll go you one uh, better, saddest episode of the series <laughs> aside from when Pete died. Like, yeah, I'm bummed. I'm I'm sitting here less than five minutes removed from this experience, and I'm bummed out. Yeah, like, the stuff with Freddie with his son. Yeah, uh, and just the way things turned out for Freddie, and and ah, yeah. Why don't should we take he, it from the top? He's or we got just talk to come it? back from this, right? Like Frank, he's got to be able to find the way. I feel he's a guy who doesn't look back. He's and Frank said forward. he's got no regrets, although. I when he threw that when he threw that cigarette by the propane tank, I'm like, oh, he's gonna blow this place <laughs> up and get the insurance money. Uh-huh. And we just kind of a joke. But then when he <laughs> was walking across the street, the way they framed that, I was expecting it just to go kaboom. You know, cool guys yeah. don't look back at explosions. That was totally like a Michael Bay shot. Hell yeah, it was. Just waiting for that building to explode. either that or the guy to get ran over by Tusk, just as a last <laughs> bit of petty revenge. Because every time he Jay sure. walked across there, I'm like, oh god. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I really like the stuff, uh, with Freddie and his son, because you can clearly see that Freddie has made a lot of mistakes in the past. We know that he's, you know, accidentally killed people. He's, uh, been mixed up in a lot of bad business and he feels really bad about not being there for his son. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is like a little mini episode of the wire where you <laughs> yeah, see yeah. like these patterns, uh, that people get stuck into and, wh- and why they're self-perpetuating and why they're systemic. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it it sucks. It really sucks bad. And uh, I feel bad for Freddie. I feel bad for his son. I feel bad for his grandson. I really hope, despite what everyone said, I really hope that in the final episode, we've got this as a little bit of a feel good. But yeah, I don't know, man. This show might not be the one for happy endings. <laughs> it might not be. Uh, the the really tragic part here is that Freddie's not doing this out of pride like refusing frank's money uh he's doing it because he feels a sense of responsibility and he's not one i I guess he doesn't take those handouts um because he wants to provide what he didn't before for his son you know the sixty thousand dollars that's the really sad part to me is he's got the way out he just doesn't want to take it yeah well, and, probably, and I don't know how I feel about that. Like, in some ways, I think he's really dumb. In some ways, I think it's extraordinarily noble. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. I know people like that, that just refuse to take the easy way out of life. But I think Freddie's point, I think there's two possibilities. Number one, it could be that he's still trying to protect Frank. Uh-huh. Um, because that's the other thing. Just firewall him from the whole situation. Yeah, like when he said at the end, it's like, you don't have to pretend to be my friend. I know you were just a cust- good customer. That was not – I mean, I, I think some people are going to look at that as like a really cold-blooded thing for him to say. Uh-huh. But that was him basically saying, I'm not going to hurt you. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to play up your friendship. 
our our friendship that we had. Yeah, because they did have a friendship. I think that was clear. Yeah, and it was painful to both men to have to go through that. But I think the, I mean that was my read on it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and God, I really hope <laughs> I really hope it, that that we come back to Freddie. Sure. Uh, I had another point I was going to make there, um, but I've forgotten. Oh, so yeah, I've known people that refuse to take the easy way out. And I think that maybe he was protecting Frank, but definitely I don't think he trusts himself that once he starts taking shortcuts, Hmm. what will happen? Because, you know, he used to take shortcuts and get rich, you know, was making 60 G's a month when he was uh, dealing drugs and in a gang. And, you know, all he got out of that is sent to prison. He accidentally killed people. He sent his son on a trajectory where he was stuck in the same pattern. And he, I just, it's like one of those things where the reason Doug Stamper doesn't take a drink is because he's an alcoholic. Yeah. Maybe Freddie just views facing the consequences and going his own way as his way of trying to improve his, his, his legacy and his family's legacy. He's still got his yeah, grandson to think of. That's a really good point. Something I didn't think about with Freddie, his motivations as to why he might be like that. Right. Um, okay. How how much else do we want to talk about Freddie here? Because I mean, the plot well, is very self-explanatory. And the other it's ironic contracts and it doesn't work out. The other ironic thing uh, it was that the reason Freddie got involved was because of a part of an escalation that Frank had nothing to do with. Sure. Yeah. This reporter. This is unintended. Con- this is the butterfly flapping its wings in China. You know, something that Connor did six, seven episodes ago. It pissed off tra- tra- Trask. Jesus. <laughs> I looked that up in, in between our marathon here. Uh-huh. That's It's a X-Men character. Trask? Okay. Yeah. It's in, I, I, he was an anti-mutant guy. Anyway, real asshole. <laughs> Same as Tusk. Um, so, yeah, it. Tusk misinterpreted the reporter finally getting around to following up with the source with th- uh, Frank threatening him. Yeah, yeah. And that's when he went after Freddie to make it really hurt. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting part of this episode, too, because she is really just on her own quest to find more interesting news. Uh, and that's not how Tusk sees it because <laughs> yeah. he's getting paranoid. And he I really wonder is. where Frank has drove him to that. I wonder where the end game is for this. I, I, this might. Th- I. So. This is either going to – it might end up with the end of – with Tusk when they find out how deeply in bed he is with the Chinese uh-huh. and how kind of – you know they're going to maybe spin that as he's being un-American or non unpatriotic. Um, but another interesting thing would be she's a serious journalist. She gets a story in her teeth. She starts digging a little deeper, starts seeing the – you know, the article that, that Mike Hammer uh, – Tom. Tom – was it Tom? Oh, it's Hammer Schmidt, yeah. Tom Hammerschmidt. So Michael Hammerschmout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just wonder if this is going to somehow connect and this is going to bring back the Lucas and it Hammer could. and Janine storyline. Yeah, she seems to be a, a reporter who I might trust a little bit more with the story than than I did Lucas. You know, he well, was so close to it. Plus, she's, um, you know, reporting, used to reporting in the Middle East as a Jew, which we found out. Uh-huh. Uh, and Very dangerous. Her idea of what's dangerous and these <laughs> other journalists' ideas of what's dangerous might be yeah. two separate things. Lucas crossing the streets dangerous, I mean, did you right? see how few, zero – she gave negative fucks 
about Tusk getting in her face uh-huh. and threatening yeah. her with the uh, vase. I'm I'm just really happy that she gave negative fucks about the scandal. Like, that's how mm. a journalist mm-hmm. should react to this story. Like, I am wasting my time here. What am I yes. doing talking about who this person is fucking? I don't care. Yes. That that was refreshing. Yeah, I really no, I love that. Yeah, I'm I am all in on this character. Like okay. her a lot. Good deal. Uh, and the other big thing here, which we just brushed on, is the scandal. Uh, things are getting are just spiraling out of control, and I feel like the Underwoods miscalculated and made some really bad moves in this episode. I think Claire lying to Adam and and demeaning him, like. Yeah, like whole, if I told you this, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to carry through it. Yeah, you're too prideful, and I I'm, I wasn't I didn't mean to be manip bullshit. Yeah, like you can't say I didn't mean to be manipulative when you were actively manipulating people. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like maybe that was part of the problem that they had in the past is she was like that. I don't know. Yeah, he had. That's yeah. I think. If you put this in context of their previous relationship and some of the things they said, she knew that Adam never understood her. Adam uh-huh. had a very, um, you know, he saw her through the lens of himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And didn't understand how much of a part of this world she was and will and and willing to be. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Um. So. <laughs> What do you think about Frank's involvement in this whole thing? Because the, the scandal itself is really, um, it, yes, it's the the media coverage is targeted kind of at Frank in general, um, but Claire and Adam are like the source of all of yeah, this. Yeah, they're the instrument that he's using to be tortured. Yeah, he has to deal with it though, and and he does so in like several different ways. He tries to you know cover things up. He also tries to go to Adam and just you know browbeat him into submission. Well, I like that because, you know, Claire uh-huh. in the beginning uh, when she's trying to own this and he, he she tried to apologize to him. He's like, no, I should apologize to you. And she goes, you know, I would it would be nice if you were a little upset. Yeah. When, when Frank got up in hmm. Adam's face and be like, don't you think because you have a shared history with her that you have any idea what goes on in our marriage yeah. or how insignificant you were in comparison to it. And the look on Claire's face is like, <laughs> my man. Yeah, very strong play. That is my man. <laughs> but then she also dismissed him so she can handle it too. I I will fucking love I mean <laughs> she's still the witherer of wounds <laughs> and Frank is still the murderer of two innocent people. Uh uh-huh. but it's damn, sometimes they're so likable. Yeah, they, well, the other thing that Frank they're so does... Strong, they're so badass. Oh, definitely. And together, they just get even more badass. Uh, the other thing that Frank does in this episode that I thought was really cool um, and shows how strong their trust is when he's, like, freaking out about this whole scandal and he's, like, planning with Stamper and uh, Seth what they should do about it. And Claire says, I got it. Like, this is my thing to handle. I got it. And he... He goes along with that. Like, yeah. he is so, he's this guy who is so used to being in control of everything, but yet he trusts her he so much absolutely that he's willing her. to just hand it all over to her. Yeah, it's funny that their relationship, the point it was um, towards the end of last season oh, yeah, yeah. and where it's at now, uh, I think they're back in the full power, invincible power couple mode. I think so. And it's, it's taken a weird turn to get them there, I mm. think. It's like all of this... Adversity. Bullshit has happened, yeah. yeah. Uh, what else do you want to say about this episode? 
Um, Adam's dating Kira Knightley, apparently. <laughs> the Latin American version of Kira Knightley. Yeah, Inez. Um, I like. What did you think about Doug's "Stay Out of My Territory" speech oh, to Seth? So good, so yeah. good. Like, there's a there's a ceiling in the Underwood uh, administration, administration and I am that ceiling. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, he completely put him in his place and. Uh, do you think Seth is? A, do you think Seth is going to give up, or do you think Seth's going to know his role and shut his hole? Uh, it's because it, it was interesting. Um, Frank's take on that when he had it inside to us is like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's good when the adoptive sons fight for their father's approval. Yeah, and he didn't say. He said, you know, the stronger one survives and the stronger, and the second one says sent pack, and the losers sent packing. Or they both make each other stronger. Oh, they both. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I guess there's that. There's that possibility so, too. Yeah. There are two possibilities. One of them is going to get the axe, or they're both going to get stronger and work together. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I see them working together. I think Seth has aspirations beyond. Like, why wouldn't Seth have have stuck with Remy if he didn't have these aspirations? Yeah, but I don't think he wants to be a Doug Stamper either. No, That's... I think he wants to rise higher than that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but certainly the path to that could be through Stamper. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really think they're going to work together. And that, that doesn't strike me as the guy who Stamper wants to be either. Yeah. That's, I know. He seems is... like an ass kisser, too. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He... A little bit. When Stamper comes up with an idea, he's like, yeah, yeah, that was good. I agree with that guy. Well, that was just him. I, that was just him falling in line. You think? Yeah. Okay. Um,. You know, the way he treats – he was trying to – he was trying to treat Stamper like he treated Connor. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the episode, he was not doing that. He was not trying to speak. Because you remember the way he treated Connor, he spoke, he spoke over the, him. Yeah. You know, steamrolled his ideas, et cetera, et cetera. And Stamper's just not going not gonna to put up with that. Sure. No Rachel this episode. Uh, yeah. And, Intr- they'll get back to that. Well, yeah, but I thought we might see something like Stamper send her a phone call or Stamper, you know, uh, jerking off with a pair of her panties <laughs> on his head or some kind of creepy ass thing like yeah. that. Yeah. Breaking in, washing his feet in her sink or something. Yeah. I don't know. And, and Tusk, pet killer. Yeah. Him, him and Frank <laughs> had got the, the two sides of the same coin there. They are more alike than we knew. Mm-hmm. Both not afraid to choke out an animal. Actually, snap their necks. Yep. Although, uh, although Frank was ending useless pain. That's true. Tusk just is a psychopath. Yeah, Tusk just his useless pain was the annoying bird. Yeah, <laughs> he was that, ending his own useless pain. That's a little much. I thought oh, that, that. I yeah. thought they, this show goes too far and making the left, villains look like villains. He could have left the room, right? Yeah. Close yeah. the door, or leave bang. the room. You've got a fucking huge mansion. Or like we all treat our pets and they're annoying. You just fucking berate them. <laughs> and, Wait, okay. You're painting a vivid picture and, here. And they have no idea. Like my cat is trying to chew my microphone cord <laughs> and I'm about to be like, you fucking cat, get the fuck off my, my, my lap. She has no idea I'm mad at her. Sure. I'm still petting her, and she's like, okay, whatever. But she's a fucking annoying cunt right now. <laughs> it's really pissing me off. Yeah, yeah, I'm not Maybe cut all this shit out. But anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, so what do you think about, what do you make of uh, Remy in this situation? He's uh, clearly Remy's, doing Tusk Remy's bidding. tired of Tusk bullshit. Yeah. Because Tusk is yet again another person who uh, really comes, you know, he comes off naive. It's just kind of like when... Remy does? 
No, 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 no. Tusk. Oh, okay. Like the yeah, same yeah. thing I had with Claire when she's like, why can't you help me? He's like, this country has broken off diplomatic ties with the United States. <laughs> There's nothing I can uh, do, do about I that. I mean, we could invade the country, but I think that's a little extreme. Uh-huh. Um, Remy's even less powerful than that. He's like, the full might and power of the U.S. State Department, they've engaged the president of this country yeah. to intervene. Whose ear can we get that's closer? Well, Nobody. He's the fucking president. Right. I mean, I can maybe get all the drug, try to get all the drug dealers in the country (laughs) together to storm the government and lead a military coup. But guess what? (laughs) They've got more money than you, Tusk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Have you seen their villas? Oh, yeah. Remy seems pragmatic from every angle and and Tusk seems paranoid and bothered and worried by all this. No, I honestly, I wish I thought, uh, again, the. The snapping of the necks yeah. and the petulant fit in the face of all logic makes Tusk look weak, and that is one annoying thing. I ha- uh, that's one sh- thing I find annoying about the show is they s- they they still haven't found a foil for Frank. Oh, okay. They ha- he he has, but he was more, a good foil for a long time, right? I mean, just an episode ago, we were seeing. No, him. it's been pretty epic, and, yeah. and honestly, the campaign he launched against Frank was pretty ruthless and and as as good as a billionaire can do. Sure, but, but you're talking someone with as much political sway as Frank, or just someone that can deal with these feet gracefully. Okay, like yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I guess, I guess that's the big problem is that. Again, he threw a fit at the end, but maybe that's what a rich billionaire would do. I don't know. Well, we need to know that he's – we need some external sign that he is pissed or what he's going through, how paranoid he is and everything like that. And I think, you know, snapping his bird's neck and berating this reporter, uh, threatening this reporter are are okay as far as like you know external what I signs see for the audience. Him, I want to see the billionaire version of – lucas saying he's going to win isn't he i don't know what that looks like okay uh but it's basically that exact scene except he's in a money bin he's he's (laughs) swimming through a a money bin yeah gold coins (laughs) uh he's wearing a monocle it's exactly the same (laughs) scene he's just wearing a monocle he's polishing his monocle and putting it on Uh (laughs) uh-huh all right anything else to talk about no i think we're covered all right So that's it for our instant take, but starting next week, we'll be doing a longer, more in-depth weekly cast for House of Cards. Be sure to send us your thoughts and feedback to houseofcards.baldmove.com, and we just might read it on air. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.baldmove.com and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, it costs you nothing. Be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Also, check out our website for all our other television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our general pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Vicar Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. See you next episode.